0: From light to know it, this is Influencer Radio, a show about the influencer industry. This season, we sit down with some of the world's most successful influencers to unpack their unique life adventures and the digital businesses they built. I'm your host, Amber Vinsbox. Today I have the honor of speaking with Christine Andrew, the creative powerhouse behind Hello Fashion Blog and founder of Shop Hello Fashion, the brand behind The Wifey and Mom Life is the Best Life Tees. She and her beautiful family are building a new home in Salt Lake City, Utah. We're going to be digging into who Christine was before she was Hello Fashion Blog, how the influencer space has changed over the years, and how she has continually created opportunities out of rejection, and how life has impacted how she runs her business. We are so happy to have you here today, Christine.
1: Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Okay, one of my my favorite things just about getting to know you is being surprised by all the things that have happened in your life. And so I would love for you to share with everybody just what was your early life like? Like, where did it start?
1: Yeah, Um. so it's funny because I, I talk about being from Colombia kind of here and there on my blog, but anytime I post it in, like, my stories, even yesterday, I have a tattoo on my side that's the coordinates to where I was born in Bogota. And so people were asking about it and when I said what it was they're like what you're from Colombia like they have no idea it's even though I talk about it so I was born in Bogota Colombia um, my dad was in the military there and met my mom who's like a local Colombian lady and um, they met had me we lived there I think I was about two years old and then we moved to Washington DC And I lived there with them till I was five. And then when they got divorced, we moved to Washington State. And your dad was in the Colombian
0: military or the U.S. military? He was
1: in the Marines. So he was um, on embassy duty
0: in, I think, for the U.S. Embassy, I guess, in in Bogota. (laughs) Yeah. So probably early life Colombia you have in, in pictures and all of that. Do you make it back down there?
1: Oh, my gosh. You know, I haven't been back since I was five, which is really horrible and embarrassing to say kind of because all of my fam, like all my mom's side of the family is still there and um I really want to make it back I just I was fluent when I was younger and I feel like I want to be fluent again before I go back down because I want to be able to really communicate with my family and I don't know just be able to like have
0: the full experience you know yeah. so you moved with your parents then yeah. you said first to D.C.?
1: Yeah. Washington, D.C. Well, just outside Arlington, Virginia. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And what did your parents do while you were there?
1: Um, So my dad is like super entrepreneurial. He's had started like so many different things and he had a flower business that he ran with one of his friends there. And I remember when I was little, um, I used to ride in the back. He'd have his whole truck full of flowers and I would ride in the back of his truck and um we'd deliver flowers through the night and I just I think that's where my love of flowers actually really started is because um I just I remember the smell so well. Like he had tons of roses especially and so I can just like that smell is so like sentimental to me.
0: Well yeah, it has such yeah, such meaning to your life. I'm sure you were the kid then who knew like what all the flowers were. And,
1: <laughs> I wish. Now I'm like, what flower is this? But um I mean, yeah, they it's it's
0: really It's like a special memory for me, for sure. So from Columbia to D.C., and then you mentioned then moving to Washington.
1: Yeah, so when my parents, like, weren't totally sure what was going to happen, and my dad went to visit his family in Port Angeles. Everyone knows it from Twilight, like, you know, the city that she goes to. (laughs) So all of um, my dad's side of the family was there, and we went to visit, and we kind of just didn't come back. You know, they decided it wasn't going to work. And I stayed with my dad there and we lived with my aunt. We had like no money and, um, we're just like really starting over. And my uncle after a little bit, let us live in one of his houses. Cause he was like a real estate developer or something. I'm not, I can't remember exactly, but yeah, we lived in their place and it was, it was kind of me and my dad for a little
0: bit. So mm-hmm. It's so nice that you were able to be surrounded by family, especially moving to a new place. And I'm sure new dynamics, too, between father, daughter. How old were you at this time?
1: I think I was four, because I think my dad got remarried at like five and a half. So I think I was like four. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. So did y'all stay in Washington for a while? Yeah, we were there
1: from when I was like four or five till eighth grade. And so and then in eighth grade, we moved to Montana. Ooh.
0: Yeah. Okay. What did you do in Montana?
1: Um, That's where my stepmom's family was from. It seems like we kind of follow family now that I'm like saying this out loud. My dad started um, another business, which was developing housing for low-income families. And so um, they had more business in Montana. And so he expanded to there. And um, yeah, so we moved there. And I had been going to like a private Christian school and then when we moved, I went to a public school, and I was like so excited for high school and a so, whole so new So this world. was like
0: before, or after your eighth grade year that you guys moved.
1: My my freshman year, ninth grade is when we
0: moved. You started a new state, new, new school, school public school. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I remember growing up, like I used to watch TV. I went to public school, but I used to watch TV shows, and it'd be like private school and what private school life was like, <laughs> and yeah, so growing up, I remember like Cruel Intentions, and she's like in private school, and there's the cute boy in this privileged life, and then you watch other shows about what it's like to go to public school, and how you get to be with all the boys and all that. Was that kind of the reality that you experienced?
1: No, I mean, like, we didn't have uniforms. It wasn't like, it was more like a small little Christian school, like... Um, You know how in different grades there's multiple teachers for each grade? It was, like, one teacher, and our classes were, like, 20, 25. So it was, like, a smaller environment, you know? Like, everyone knew everyone really well, and, yeah, like, that
0: sort of thing. Okay, so when you got to go to... Or what made you excited about getting to go to public school in Montana?
1: Oh, that's a great question. Um, I was just excited for a change, you know, and meet new people. And I was also a huge tomboy growing up, and so they had like tryouts for the basketball team in the summer and I met like a ton of girls there, like our team and we all became like super close really fast. And so, um, yeah, I was just like excited for my new friend group and basketball and like all of that.
0: Yeah. It's a a chance to, I think, you know, growing up, you think of high school as like, this is who I'm going to become. Like you watch saved by the bell or something and you see like Lisa turtle and you're like, I might have a perm too. (laughs) Um, so you mentioned being a tomboy, that's so funny because I'm sitting here with you now in this beautiful lace oh, shirt and these beautiful pastel colors and people love the things that you wear. So Roots is a tomboy up through high school even.
1: Oh, I mean, like I think it was halfway through my freshman year before I like I only wore Nike, Adidas, Reebok, the hugest tomboy all growing up. Yeah, and then halfway through my freshman year, I started to develop a love for other clothes outside of sportswear.
0: Yeah. Well, I kind of, you know, I'm thinking back on what you're describing as your early life, and um, I know Baxter, my husband, loves to get like Birdie and Boyce outside and to play yeah. soccer and sports, and he wants them in their sports clothes. And so was that similar for you? Like your dad oh, yeah. loved to do things outside he, with you?
1: My dad coached me through sports since I was in kindergarten, and I was on like competitive traveling teams for basketball and I just feel like it was such a big part of, you know, our life. And it's funny now as a parent, you know, kind of side off topic. It's you look at every weekend we were traveling someplace and like it was a couple hours away. Like I feel like my, you know, my dad and my stepmom really sacrificed pretty much every weekend to take me somewhere, you know, for basketball. And now that you're a parent, you realize how much they do to help you like pursue the things that you love, you know?
0: It is so interesting being on the the other side of it. I yeah. Remember my first Mother's Day, I called my mom and I was like, I owe you something, and I'm not sure how I would ever even get around to repaying that. But I had no idea what you sacrificed for me, and like what it meant to be a mom, and whether that means like you know actually just breastfeeding your child, and like yeah. being literally a slave to someone else for like mm-hmm. every few hours of a day for months of your life, or just like you said, sacrificing your own weekends. Whereas an adult, you might like to go to brunch or go shopping or even just watch some Netflix (laughs) and instead you're watching competitive basketball
1: oh yeah It, it really is crazy until you become a parent I feel like you don't appreciate all the things that your parents really did you know
0: so throughout high school and your schooling did you focus on sports or did you work or what did you do
1: so basketball was a big part and then like my junior year was it my junior or senior year I can't remember one of those years I didn't make the team. (laughs) And so I also started to get kind of in this like rebellious stage again, looking back at what I put my parents through, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, but yeah, my parents were very religious and I, at the time I'm just, my personality is like, if somebody tells me you have to do this, I just, I don't love being told what to do. And so like, I kind of go polar opposite and I mean they had the best of intentions and like you know, now I look back, and I mean, I know they were only doing it out of love, but I was just in rebellion stage, and so um, I moved out on my 18th birthday, and I had two jobs, and yeah, I was supporting myself. I got my own place, I bought my own car. I hit a deer in my car, and so I had a, my car was three different colors. Like the hood of my car was white, the side was red, and the rest of my car was blue.
0: I think you described it to me before as a beater car.
1: Oh, it was it was a, it was a good one. I mean, like I, I need to find a picture of it because it's it was like red, white, and blue. It was kind of funny because we just got pieces from the junkyard, you know, like
0: yeah, the, to so, make it work. So you're 18. What did your parents like plan for you? Or what did they encourage you to do after school, after high school?
1: Well, I was still in high school at the time, and then oh, you're still in high school and you moved out. I moved. So my birthday's January 31st. So literally, we. Came home for lunch on my 18th birthday because I knew my parents wouldn't be home. I feel so bad even saying this. But, um, yeah, and I packed up. I'd already packed my stuff up and put it in my closet. And then one of my friends drove me up there. And we loaded all my stuff up and then just no left. No way. Yeah. So.
0: Did you take, like, sheets and pillows or did no, you just, just I lived. I
1: lived with my friend for one of my good friends for, I can't remember, a couple months. And then I got a place with one of my friends – that was in college, she had an extra room. And so I rented a room from her
0: after that, so yeah. What made you want out of your house so badly?
1: I just wanted to be able to like, have my own rules. You know, like my curfew was the earliest out of all my friends. And like, I remember, I just like, I wanted to hang out with boys and there was just so many, I don't know, you know, I just, I was a little rebel and my poor parents.
0: (laughs) So you did graduate high school? Graduated, yeah. Okay. were, we're, I guess, working to buy your own car.
1: Yep, I was working. um, I was an assistant manager at Express, and then um, I worked at the UPS store and packaged boxes and, like, was a manager of that. Yeah. So worked in front of that.
0: How did you find these jobs?
1: Great question. Um, (laughs) I'm not sure. One thing I feel like my dad taught me really well is even he's always instilled a work ethic in me, and I think I mentioned earlier he's very entrepreneurial, and so... um, I've just always looked up to him as in his work ethic. And so since I was 15 and old enough to have a job, I worked at Lady Foot Locker. And then I think from there I went to Express. And then I stayed at Express. So I, I just, I've, I've worked since I was old enough to work, you know.
0: So how did that play out? Because that's not the end of the story.
1: <laughs> no. So after probably like a year, let's see, I graduated. And then like through the summer, I was still, you know, doing my thing. And then my dad came to me and he was like, if you move and go, I'll pay for you to go to college. I'll get you a new car. You won't have to work for a, I can't remember if it was the semester of the year. If you move out of like Missoula was the town that we lived in, then, um, I'll take care of everything for you. And at the time, like my boyfriend and I had been fighting and I, it was just like perfect timing really. And I was like worn out of working so much. And I just felt like there were bigger plans for my life. Yeah. Do you know
0: what I mean? Did he pursue you throughout that entire year or did he give you your space?
1: They pursued me at first for sure. And then I think, I mean, they gave me space, but like, I know it was super hard for them. And, you know, again, I just imagine as a parent now, like how stressful that would be. Yeah. We still kept in touch and like talked and stuff. And then, yeah, he, I, I can't remember exactly like where we were when he came to me, but, yeah. um, how yeah.
0: Yeah, loving and generous of him to make that offer for you
1: literally the most giving person in the world and like he would do anything for anyone I've always really admired that about him
0: so you got out of Missoula
1: (laughs) got out went to college at Northwest Nazarene it's just right outside of Boise in a little town called Nampa and yeah went there for a year I love to move (laughs) I, I mean I went to a different college every year of college. (laughs) Every year of college, I was somewhere different. So I went there for a year and wasn't, I was like so-so with it. It was fun to be out, but had some personal experiences and was ready to leave. And um, yeah, I came back to Montana and went to Bozeman, to Montana State University there next, so.
0: And then when did you meet your husband? Because he's very much, you know, a a part of your, even your business today. And you guys seem like such partners. I met Cody
1: in, oh, my gosh, what year was it? 2000, I think 2009. (laughs) I'm going to guess 2009. (laughs) Somewhere around there. Um, Yeah, so I'd graduated college, had no idea what I was going to do, and I went out to this other boy that I, like, kind of had a crush on was selling alarm systems door-to-door and I called him after I graduated, and he's like, I'm making a ton of money. Come out here and do this. And I had sold kids' books door to door earlier in college. And so I was like, oh, I have experience doing sales. So um, I went out there with him, and then...
0: Where was out there?
1: Where do we go first? South Carolina.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Was this just like where the company had distribution, or...? The company was called Pinnacle. I don't even think it's around
1: anymore. They, have, they send out summer teams of college students, and I think like... Some people aren't college students too, just twenty year olds, and they go around the U.S. So like all different places. I think almost to every state, honestly. So, um, so South Carolina, South Carolina, (laughs) super random. Um, and so I still stayed out because I made like a bunch of good friends, and I mean, was still like a good job. And so, um, yeah, stayed out there. And then at the end of the summer, the kids who are in college go back. And then if you want to stay longer, you can extend. But since so many people go home, they, like, combined all the offices. So they moved us to Texas, and we combined offices with Cody's office. And, yeah, that's where we met.
0: And so Texas, were you in, like, Austin, Dallas? We were
1: here, like- Dallas. Well, like, outside, Capel. Yeah. Is that how I say it, Capel? Yeah. Capel. I actually want to go. while I'm here? Try to go find the place because they had us in this these housing by a golf course. Is there a yeah, golf course out I'm there? Sure, there is. Yeah, I want to go try to find it and go take a picture there. Yeah, and send to him. So okay,
0: so y'all are in Capel. You're selling alarms. Yeah. And he's like on your team, or
1: um. So they just combine the offices. So it's okay. like we're kind of on a team.
0: Mm-hmm. So Cody was basically in your office, and yeah. we all just like out together. Or how? um.
1: So we just became friends, really and he was super entrepreneurial too and I think just as we talked about things I just you know he was super easy to talk to and then he went home and we just kept in touch and um, when I left for selling he's like just come visit me in Salt Lake and I came to Salt Lake and never left so we've like lived together from day one like we I mean nothing happened when we were in Texas and then I came to visit him and never left that's such a cool story It's kind of crazy. So was that your first time in Salt Lake? Yeah, first time to Utah, first time to Salt Lake. You
0: just moved there.
1: Just moved. I mean, because I just finished college. I had no idea what I was going to
0: do anyway. So So did you guys immediately start working together? What did you do in Salt Lake?
1: So yeah, he um, started his own alarm company. I was selling with him and um, yeah, we were just doing the alarm thing there for a little bit.
0: And then, when did the blog kick off, or what was first? I guess you.
1: Yeah. So Illy started. Yeah, least started before the blog. Um, we got married in 2011. Gosh, I hope it's 2011. I cannot remember dates to save my life. Usually, it's the boys that don't know the <laughs> right? dates, right? Yeah. Um. So, um, be,
0: how long have you, do you know how long you've been married?
1: I think it has to be 2011. Right, like seven year years. This,
0: this would be the eighth anniversary this year sounds good we're okay. gonna go with it okay, okay. <laughs> um so you guys you got married and then how did you start well it was like to...
1: before yeah it was before we were getting married I was trying to find wedding hair accessories and I couldn't find anything that I really wanted and does that so... mean like a like
0: a clip or like yeah. a bobby pin type thing or you know
1: like those like organza flowers oh, yeah. and like head pieces that mm-hmm. you like wrap around with like little beads on them and stuff so I made my own headpiece like little flower with like jewels or like beads in it. Again, I've never taken a sewing class or done anything like I was an I graduated with an art major, so maybe I have a little bit of art in me. Yeah, you're creative. But, um and I was like, okay, well, I'm guessing nobody else can find stuff like this. So I decided to start an Etsy shop and it was called Illy for I love you because it was like wedding hair accessories. And about six-ish months into it, I realized I'm not going to have repeat customers because people get I mean, some people get married again, but they're probably not going to want to use the same person that they used for their first wedding, you know. (laughs) So um, I was like, how are we going to transition that? And Cody had the idea um, to do jewelry. And so it was like during the time of like the bubble necklace. I don't know if you remember like.
0: I mean, really, it was like the J Crew bubble necklace. Yeah, it was like for those people listening. If you don't remember it, it was basically this kind of—I'm going to call it like a collar-type necklace—and it would it would definitely fill your neckline. And it was bright colors and sort of um, like maybe like acrylic little bubbles all in this like pretty design. But it kind of filled a- your neckline. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Tiered.
1: A- yeah. So statement necklaces—I feel like we're really becoming a thing then. And so we started making these in our living room. And again, it's just like so funny because. I didn't know anything of what I was doing. I was buying stuff from like Michael's and ordering beads online and just like had no idea what I was doing. And we started to have an amazing response to it. I mean, J. Crew at the time was selling them for like 150 some dollars and we were selling them for $50. So undercutting them a lot. And um, as sales grew, we hired a team and again, just still out of our house, just making these. And um,
0: what, yeah. What kind of like order volume were you guys doing?
1: Well, I mean, we were doing – there were times we were doing tens of thousands. Like, we did a living social deal and just, like, I mean, blew through them. I okay, mean- so
0: I have had a jewelry business before that I made in my living room. So I I understand what you're saying. And even having a 1,000 orders would have been, like, mind-blown, like, beyond my wildest imagination. Yeah. So you're an Etsy seller. You're not a blogger. You're just an Etsy seller. And –
1: I think I had just started the blog around the time the the sales for the necklaces
0: were taking off. Like, it was kind of in between there a little bit. Okay, and did this pick up because of, like, just Etsy, like, promoting it? Or what, what were you guys doing?
1: I really think it comes down to timing, honestly. Like, when we were on Etsy, so when we were getting those type of volumes, it turned into us not making them anymore. I mean, we were having them made abroad overseas, and yeah, and then... I mean, but it was before anyone on Etsy was really, like, doing that. You know, now there's millions of overseas, like, sellers, and it's not really a handmade market anymore, you know? And so, um, I think it was just no one else was doing it yet. And so, um, yeah, we just had such a great response.
0: Do you guys have, like, at this point, I mean, tens of thousands of orders, there's, like, a... Just like a shipping, packing center, you guys have... It
1: was a mess. It was a hot mess. We were literally... My family drove down from Montana. Cody has a big family, has like eight brothers and sisters. They were helping us. We had our two employees. We were working around the clock. I mean, I remember so many all-nighters of us just packaging these bubble necklaces. Like, you know, there was... Still, when we moved out, there was, like, the little rings, like, stuck in the carpet. I'm sure they had to change the carpet from, like, all the random stuff. But, yeah, it's just, it's fun to look back at, like, those beginning stages. Because we were just in a little two-bedroom townhouse, like, you know, doing this. And
0: I know exactly what you're talking about, the rings. They get stuck yeah, in everything. 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 Yeah. Those teeny little rings. Yes. <laughs> okay, so you sell tens of thousands of these bubble necklaces. And then you said you kind of, like, sold out of them. Like, what are you do next
1: um we kept selling them and we'd add more colors different styles we bring in lots of different things and that's kind of like the time I had so many people emailing me like asking how you know I'm going to a wedding what should I wear this with or I'm going to you know this event like how do I style this and it like kind of clicked for me you know in high school I'd grown this love for fashion I applied to fashion school and got rejected and I still had that like love for it you know where was fashion school art institute um and in, I think it was Seattle so I'm pretty sure but yeah okay and so, Wait, so tell
0: me about that that experience so this so was, was this after college or this was like, this is where I'm going to go to college this is where I school?
1: That's where I wanted to go. And I remember, um, I think I've talked to you about this. I remember walking in, I was in like, it was Britney Spears had just worn the Ugg boots. So I thought it was like the coolest thing ever. And I like had ordered them from Seattle because no one in Port Angeles had Ugg boots. And so I wore a denim skirt, Ugg boots, and I can't remember what top, but like, I felt like it was the most fashionable outfit ever.
0: I know this outfit. I wore this outfit. Did you, I had like chandelier earrings yes. that I also wore, which doesn't go with Ugg boots any day of the week, no. but it felt right. It felt good. Um, did you have the short Ugg boots or the tall Ugg boots?
1: I think it was the short ones. Yeah, you were cool. Oh, I made the shoot. mistake of getting did you the, get tall the tall ones. ones. I was
0: less cool I than you. I feel like
1: I bought both styles at one point.
0: <laughs> So, I had a friend whose dad would go to New York all the time. Yeah. And he had found this brand that was like a replica or imitator of Ugg yeah. that was cheaper. And so we would pay her dad when he was on business trips Stop to bring us like it. the imitation <laughs> Ugg boot. Yeah. It was, uh, there was like a whole racket going on around these Ugg <laughs> yes. boots. They were a big deal. So, yeah, I remember walking
1: in and the, the lady kind of almost, like, spirked at me when I walked in, and I...
0: Because you're wearing them to fashion school.
1: I'm wearing them to, like, yeah, to apply for this, like, interview for fashion school, and so I didn't make it in, and, like, I, it's a closed door, but I also look at it as, like, it, it led to another opportunity. You know what I mean? And so um, we're doing the bubble... Sorry, I'm, like, transitioning back. We're doing the bubble necklaces, and my friend told me about, like, blogging because I was, like, telling her, like, all these people are asking this, and you know, she's like, you should do a blog. And I had no idea what a blog was. And she's like, look at Sincerely Jule's blog. She's like, she's super cute. Like she has similar like style, like California just laid back, you know, type of thing. And so I looked at her blog and I was like, oh my gosh, it's so cute. And I remember spending hours one night just like scrolling through all of her stuff and was super inspired by like what she was doing. I actually remember meeting her for the first time at reward style conference. And I was like, so starstruck. Oh,
0: I, I was a fan as well. And Jules is such a, like the sweetest heart in the world. And I hope one day we get to talk to her here, but her early days, I mean, she was an inspiration for so many people. And actually, so her dad was a tailor and that's how she fell in love with fashion. And early days she would stand in her driveway and her dad would take her photo And like, she's a very tight knit family. And that's where the blog actually started. That's But she's, yeah, she's been this like starting off point for girls to look and say like, oh, I think I can do this thing that she's doing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. On her streets in LA. A hundred percent. Yeah. She was a huge inspiration to getting started. And yeah, I started doing it, but no one knew. I mean, again, it was like so early. I mean, there was probably like four or five blog, I mean, that I knew of, you know, when it started. So I would take mirror shots or. I would drag my dining room chair out into, like, the street and set my camera on timer and, like, like just try to
0: pose. <laughs> wait, Christine. Okay, because this is a question a lot of people ask of, like, yeah. how, well, you know, maybe I can't start a blog. I don't have a photographer. I'm a budget photographer. But you took a chair out of your house. <laughs> yes. Pulled it into the middle of the street. Yes. <laughs> set it up with a timer. Yep. And just stood in the street and moved and took like- pictures.
1: And I mean, there's this our neighbor who I don't think loved us very much. And she'd walk her dog. I just like I don't know how I somehow like timed it every time she's walking her dog. And she would always laugh at me. And I just felt like, dumb. you know what I mean? Like you oh, kind of yeah. feel dumb. And I I I mean, people like teased, I mean, teased us about taking pictures and it was, it just didn't make sense at the time. You know what I mean? And now I feel like it's so much more common.
0: Like what year would you say that you're doing this?
1: I've been blogging. I think it was, um, 2011 or 12. I started blogging. So I mean, what?
0: Seven years. Yeah. So yeah, especially at the time. And this was at that time, being a fashion blogger meant that there was maybe something socially wrong with you. And I yeah. can say that because I was also blogging. Uh, and yeah. it was not a respectable thing. No. And people were sort of going just because they're like, wait, I knew her in high school. Wait, she's, she's writing? Take, she's taking pictures of herself and putting it on the internet? Oh, yeah. What is, it was like a scene, you know? That's why people showed up at it.
1: I think it was more for mockery probably than probably. like really you know, following it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> But you were able to showcase your jewelry and tell people and show people how to yeah. wear your goods.
1: Yeah, and I, when I started, it was really, like, it was to show people about Illy, and um, we were very much on a budget. We were newly married, and so it was, like, big sales or, like, how to find stuff at Forever 21 or Old Navy and wear it, like, multiple ways, and, like, it was really about, like, shopping on a budget,
0: you know? So the, was the blog called Hello Fashion back then?
1: Yeah, so my um, stepdaughter loved Hello Kitty. And so um, I picked Hello Fashion from Hello Kitty. Yeah. And then um, I put Fashion Blog in it because I thought people would just type in Fashion Blog in Google and it would pop up.
0: You are always very savvy. (laughs) So Hello Fashion Blog starts to market the jewelry. So did you kind of... Which one became like the bigger priority? The blog or the jewelry?
1: Jewelry for sure. Um, We were you know, I was probably only posting, I don't know, twice a month on the blog. And then like it started, you know, I started posting a little bit more and then, um, oh, Gigi New York reached out to send me a free bag. And it was like, I think their bags are like three, $400. Right. And I remember it was the most expensive bag at the time I owned. And I like called every single one of my family members and was like, I just got offered a free bag. And it was like, The biggest deal in the world I mean I think it was like six months or a year into blogging like it was such I was not doing it because I never knew that I could get anything you know what I mean and so I was so stoked and like I think I wore it in an endless amount of posts because I was like this is (laughs) the best like nicest thing I
0: own you know what I mean yeah first moment of success yes I remember when I met you I think it was I want to say it was around 2012 maybe at a reward style conference around that time. And I remember you had Illy and your main focus was like getting Illy, I think on reward style so that other bloggers could be talking about it.
1: For sure. We um, had, you know, other bloggers um, that I had met through reward style and also Utah, like is a hub of bloggers. And so um, I had like friends there um, that we just met pretty early on. And so we'd all get lunch together and like, you know Rachel from Pink Peonies, Kara from Karla and Amber Barefoot Blonde, um, Emily from Ivory Lane. Like all of us would get lunch together all the time, and they were willing to like post about it. And so I wanted them to be like earning money from posting about it. And so you guys let us on, even though you know it wasn't like a major retailer. And I really respect you know like appreciated you guys helping us out with that.
0: Oh no, I mean that's what's so interesting about the blogging spaces people have come into it from so many different realms and you know, yeah. you know there I think there's expectation in the industry that you have a girl who has enough money to have pretty clothes and the time to make herself look good and whatever and then she's just going to start because she wants to be an influencer and yeah. that's just not the story And yeah. I, and I mean you started it from from the retailer side of it and then kind of expanding out to be able to share for people how to how to do that and then I remember also you know meeting Rachel and Emily and all that the beginning of their careers and we from early days wanted Reward Style to be something that was um, an ecosystem that you could be input at any point. So whether you were an influencer who then started a brand or a brand that then became an influencer or whatever part in your journey that we could support that. Yeah. And it was all about, you know, and still is the economic success of those people in our orbit. And so I remember meeting you guys and um, you know, the early days of what all of our sites looked like at that point.
1: Oh my gosh. I, I feel like you guys really set the the tone for us to really know that we could earn money because at that time, Brands, I think, were gifting, and I mean, maybe they were paying like bigger influencers, but for a lot of us, our earnings solely came from affiliate links, you know? And I remember, you know, earning a couple hundred dollars, and it was a huge deal, like having that extra income, you know, that you guys allowed us to have. And I feel like that helped us get the opportunity and know that this could really be like a career path for so many of us.
0: Mm -hmm. So, at what point then did you start thinking about the blog as either an equal or, or maybe even the bigger opportunity?
1: I mean, as more brands started reaching out and stuff and I, I was earning more on reward style and we expanded Ily to start being, sorry, as I'm cross-referencing those Illys as shop fashion, but it started as
0: Illy couture. So with Ily you guys had the necklaces and then the next iteration was clothing.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So what were the first pieces of clothing you guys put out?
1: The very first piece was like, it was wifey and think it said like stay like I don't even know why it said stay but it was like this camo shirt that just said stay
0: I don't know why Sounds but good, though. <laughs> yeah. I remember these shirts and all the influencers started wearing them yeah and then didn't some major retailers oh, yeah. knock off your shirt
1: we had target forever 21 um I mean I think everyone we had I mean pretty much everybody knocked it off and um tons of Etsy
0: shops I mean Yeah. Yeah. I remember other influencers having this problem too. Like Kiara had created a shirt. Like T shirts were kind of becoming a thing that the biggest influencers did. And like Chiara had a shirt and Jules had shirts. That's when she had just started them. Oh, she had it.
1: She hers got knocked off a ton too.
0: Yes. No, a ton. And honestly, it's it's really interesting to even reflect back with what's happening this year. And I I refer to what happened in 2018 with the stolen Like to Know It images, millions of images taken, misappropriated on a, a major media site. And then stripped of their rewards style trackable links and then replaced with their own trackable links. And I call that the great media heist of 2018 because I don't know of an instance where millions of original pieces of art and the associated metadata have ever been stolen. But I think back to like the earliest days of that and people weren't just stealing your photos, they were stealing your ideas. And these are big corporations. So I think the blogging industry has always been a victim of, um, you know, not having big enough guns, you know, in the earlier days to actually protect yourself as artists. And, you know, being in the industry, a new form of, of artist, there wasn't a lot of like case law about like what brands can do and what they can't do. And, and honestly, we were such a, a soft target of an industry you have a bunch of really young girls who often don't have an nba don't have any sort of like law or corporate experience that are being taken advantage of um, and that's one of the things that we you know for the last year and along with some some of our influencers um, have been pursuing is really setting the standard for what is acceptable in the influencer industry and and other industries what they can then do with the, the value that's been created here.
1: Oh, it's so true because I mean, we went and tried to meet with an attorney and they were like I mean, we met with a couple of different ones and they're like honestly, like their budgets to even fight you it's going to be insane. Like and also it's really hard to copyright or trademark apparel. And I mean, I don't know now if it's changed a little bit because we kind of just got to the point that We figured how fast fashion moves, you know, you just need to make the next design and move on, like realize it is going to be knocked off. Because I mean, even now, a lot of fast fashion retailers knock off high end, you know, not saying that we're a high end designer, but you know what I mean? It it happens every single day. And so it took a long minute for me to like take that like frustration and anger and then realize, okay, you just have to move on because the time that you're focusing on that frustration and stuff like it just holds you back from creating new things yeah
0: on to the next that's the thing about imitation is they are imitating and so you just have to do the next thing because it's going to take them months or a year in some cases you know to to knock that thing off and so you have to keep innovating you have to keep reinventing yourself whether that's the product that you're putting out the types of images you're taking the filters you're using the platforms you're on you you have to be the leader
1: yeah 100 percent And two, when you're fighting it by the time, I mean, it it can take years to fight anything. You know what I
0: mean? And it's not always so direct like that. I think, you know, something that's been interesting that you did for everybody listening, if you're not familiar with filter packs is like part of an influencer's secret recipe is how she edits her photos. And that really came from like the Insta world of you wanted to have, you know, you wanted your profile when people went to that, your quilt, as some people call it, you want that quilt to be really cohesive. Yeah. And so when you see all the imagery together, it it looks right. And so people are very thoughtful about creating a certain type of image there. And for so many years, that was like the recipe to your restaurant. And so you actually then decided to turn around and say, hey, I'll give it to you and I'll, I'll sell these to you. Tell me about that journey. That was a, a more recent business venture.
1: Yeah, that was this year. Um, I just got, I literally had that question so many times. Like, how do you edit your photos? How do you edit your photos? And like you said, it was that thing that I'm like, I would be like vague, like, oh, I'm on Lightroom or Visco," You know what I mean? Like kind of giving the answer, but like not really explaining it. And so it just got to the point that I was like, I realized this last year as, you know, so many people are blogging and stuff that I just wanted, you know, to be able to help people. And I, I couldn't think of a better job to have, honestly. And I'm so thankful for my job that I wanted other people to be able to do the same thing. And so we decided, Cody was like, you really just need to sell these. And I was like, oh, I was like stressed about it. But I was like, OK, let's do it. And so... I took months to put these together, like, of how I was going to do it. And I remember, like, I priced them really high because I was, like, my secret, like, so, like, a secret recipe, you know, to how I edit my photos. And I was, like, these are going to, like, sell, like, crazy, blah, blah, blah. You know, I was, like, so set on it. And Cody's, like, you have it way priced way too high. Like, if you want to help people start their business, this is a lot of money for them. And I'm, like, no, it's an investment in your business, so we launched so how much were they I, I meant to look it up because i was like trying to think about that um i can't remember i want it they were
0: expensive <laughs> like over 50 dollars, over 100 dollars. i think they over were over
1: fi- like it depends i sold some single or like a pack i'm gonna say 50 to 75 uh, i can't remember i'll look it up
0: but too expensive
1: yeah i just think it was too expensive like again photographers do it and I think I mean they sell theirs for a higher amount but it's, it's just a different form do you know what I mean so I launched it sorry I launched it we sat there and watched it and it sold a low amount I can't I mean like maybe under like 20 you know and I was like oh like my the gosh. first
0: day and wait for context where did you promote these
1: what about my Instagram stories, my Instagram. Like, I was like, oh my gosh, you guys, I'm so excited we're launching this.
0: And then... And, and you have how many followers?
1: A million followers. And okay. so people... I was like... And tons of people were saying, I was so excited for this, but it's way too expensive. So excited. You know, like flooding in. And I was like, I didn't want to tell Cody right away because I hate to give him the credit of knowing that he was right. <laughs> and so I remember like that moment, like thinking it was a feeling kind of a failure almost, you know? Like we, I don't know how to say that, like it, we've had a lot of businesses that we've launched and have been like pretty instantly yeah. like successful.
0: So Illy was really successful with yeah. all these necklaces you're shipping out, which I mean any manufacturer, distributor, designer dreams of. <laughs> and then you had the shirts that were wildly successful to the point that mass retailers copied them. Yeah. And then your blog has since taken off and has tons of traffic. You're well-known in the industry, and then you've got a million Instagram followers. So you're making me
1: sound, like, cooler than it really is.
0: I mean, that's what's (laughs) happened. Did I miss anything? No, you're (laughs) so sweet. Well, I mean, so so that's, yeah, that's your reality. And so, rightly so, you're thinking, if I'm going to sell my secret sauce, it's going to be...
1: I thought we were going to sell thousands. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I thought they would fly, and I was so excited to see everyone's pictures with, like, the edits, you know? Like, and... It was it was kind of a reality, and I I just remember thinking that moment. Okay, like let's reflect on this, you know. And I love listening to motivational like podcasts and stuff. And I I had recently listened to something from Gary Vee, who had like talked about that failure is the biggest fuel for success. And so it really like I sat down, I went home, and like I just woke up. I'm like, I need to go somewhere for like just to journal for a second. I wrote down all these feelings of okay, what did we do wrong? What red flags like popped up to me before that I should have paid attention to? Like multiple people telling me it's too high. Being set on your product and not, take, not, not that you need to take advice, but you always should have outside input from people and stuff. And so um, it was a good reflecting point. And so then we launched a mobile set because that was the other feedback that a lot of people said is I want to just be able to edit it on my phone. And so we launched the next one for mobile and did it super cheap. I think our pack was, like, fourteen ninety nine or something for five presets. So, I mm-hmm. mean, it's really, afford- yeah. it's, like, what Great you pay deal. for a filter on Visco, you know? And it took off, and it did really well. And so it was, like, okay, like, that's, you know, like, a lot of, like, college students or, like, new business people, like, they can – it's a lot more accessible price point for people. And so I was really excited about that. <laughs> and it was, like, a good learning thing for me yeah. again. You How know?
0: quickly did you guys pivot?
1: Pretty quick. Again, Cody is so – so good at like, let's fix it. Let's fix it. You know, like for me, I, I could take days like I want to understand what r- went wrong. I want to reflect on it. Like, you know, and he instantly is like, OK, this is this, this and this, you know, like there's not as much emotion to him. Like he's very logical when it comes to things. Yeah, it, it was pretty quick. I think within a couple of weeks.
0: Working with your spouse is something that's somewhat common in the influencer industry. Um, yeah, there, there was like some very public blogger breakups. yeah, And that's because it is really hard, but you guys have made it work and built a business and a family and now a house. So I think a lot of people that are listening to their spouse or want to listen to their spouse would love to hear your thoughts on that.
1: Um, <laughs> Let me, I will say that it's very much ups and downs. And I think the things that work great is that from the beginning, Cody and I were like doing a business almost together, like from the alarms um, through everything else. And so I've always very much as respected like h- how business savvy he is. And it's something I've always admired about him. I mean, it's hard, you know, and there's been when we were building our house, we had to separate some things because it was too many like big projects all happening together at once. And I think especially one of the biggest boundaries that when you're working with someone that you're so close to is that the times that you guys want to talk about work and you know there would be times I'm laying in bed and I just thought of like the best idea and I'll be like babe what if we did this and this and he would be like you know it's 11 o'clock and like the last thing I want to think about is work right now (laughs) and so having that time like knowing when to talk about it and when not to talk about it and you know when we first started and we I mean, we, he had kids before, so we, but we had them part time. I mean, when we didn't have them, we were working around the clock and it was such a different thing. But once you have a family like that changes so much and um, you have to set boundaries for those, you know, those times. And so like we've always during dinner time, no matter what, we don't have our phones um, like that's always our like super shut off time. We used to set times that was like nine o'clock. We wouldn't be on our phones after that, but that kind of got to be too hard. <laughs> it didn't, didn't work. I'm like yeah. a night owl.
0: <laughs> hard to keep your own rules.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so I think it's just communication is the biggest thing. And also like respecting their time and opinion, I think is a big thing. Like sometimes he'll take pictures and I'll be frustrated. <laughs> be like, that's not the angle or like. Why I told you to do this and this, you know, like I sound like such a brat, but like, you know, it doesn't, have not the vision of
0: like what you had in mind. Yeah. As a creative, well, first of all, you guys have... Three and a half kids now. Yeah. <laughs> um, and a lot of projects running on a lot of businesses going and so efficiency is a priority. Yeah. And so when you need someone to take your picture and you want to move on and they're not in your mind trying hard or not being thoughtful or not telling you that there's like your hair is falling off X Way, exactly. then you get really frustrated and those are the easy moments to snap.
1: And it's funny because all the fights are over the dumbest things. Do you know what I mean? And and then you look back and you're like, really? Like that's what it was about. And so I think just realizing, like, to be more respectful of their time and, like, vice versa, you know? I mean, now that he's an influencer, too, like, I shoot a lot of his stuff, too. And so being on the other side of it, sometimes when he doesn't like a picture I take, you know? I'm like, but wait, I think it's really good. And so I realize, like, how his feelings are hurt sometimes when I'm saying that to him. You know what I mean?
0: So there aren't a lot of male influencers. And Cody's, like a dude (laughs) and he's now a a pretty big instagrammer
1: yeah he's let's see we did outfit pictures a couple years into blogging and together and so much interest in it and so it was just like really natural for us to start his instagram and it just you know naturally like took off pretty well and he's done a lot of like awesome partnerships and it's really cool to watch his his
0: channel so how big is he now
1: he has, like, 300, like, 80,000 followers. So, yeah, he's growing. And
0: how big – I mean, how long has he been working on that account?
1: Um, You know, I think he really – his is more part-time for sure. Like, he has other business ventures that he does, but he enjoys doing it. He has a lot of close photographer friends, and they go on these really cool trips and, like, his guy time slash work time, but yeah. – you know what I mean? He calls it a work trip, but I think they're just going to have fun. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, and so, obviously, you guys, like, get it. Like, you get how social media works. You get what, like, makes it tick. And so, what would you say that you think you guys know that other people don't know?
1: Oh, my gosh. I think one of the biggest things is, and I've said this a couple times on my blog, is I think you should never go into it for the money. Um, that I have so many people that message me and are like, I've been trying to start a blog on Instagram for, you know, two months and I'm not making any money yet. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Sorry, that sounds
0: rude. <laughs> no, but that's, <laughs> but that's like, a, that's a valid reaction.
1: I, I just am, you know, I blogged for at least a year before, and that's when I got something for free. I wasn't even making money yet. You know what I mean? Like it takes time. I mean, in the lucky aspect of it, now you can earn money so much faster than, you know, when we started out, but I think it's, I think people need to realize it's not an overnight thing and you have to put effort into it and do it because you love it, not because you want to go out to it to make money. And, you know, people ask, too, like, what should I post about? And I think it should just really be the things that you're passionate about. If you're doing it out of passion, I believe you're always going to be
0: successful, you know you have this ability to be very candid on your Instagram. <laughs> and even as a mom and a spouse and with all these other jobs and building a house, you find the time to talk to the camera and to talk to your audience. Yeah. Did you have to kind of like talk yourself into that? Or does that, did that just come really naturally for you?
1: I think I forget a lot of times that people f- even watch it. You know what I mean? Like it's funny because you share such personal aspects of your life and then you forget that people are really listening and watching. Like I'll you know, strangers that I don't know um, come up to us on the street and talk about, you know, I shared like it took us a little over a year to get pregnant. And I was kind of, you know, sharing those struggles. And so I'd have people come up to me and be like, I've been praying for you, like thinking about you and Cody so much. And as you guys try to get pregnant and I'd be like, oh my gosh, you know, it's so crazy and cool that a complete stranger, like, is thinking about us and like values that and so it really meant a lot and but you just forget you're just you feel like you're just talking to I don't know like your mom or something on the phone and facetiming somebody and and then it's like it wasn't super hard but um I think I just because I forgot that people watch
0: have you always shared the highs and the lows um I think insta
1: stories before insta stories probably not as much I remember, I mean, same thing when Insta stories came out, people were like, oh, you seem so much nicer, like, on Insta stories. I was like, oh, I didn't realize I seemed, you know, not nice in my (laughs) pictures. So it was really, I think Insta stories allowed so many people to become so much more authentic about what's going on. Because in a picture, you're not going to, like, take a picture of yourself crying or, you know, what's going on. And so it was so much easier, you know, in stories for you to share those really raw and, like, vulnerable moments in your life.
0: Of all these businesses you've had, and you've had the filters, the ebook, the jewelry line, the clothing stuff, your blog, your Instagram, and maybe I'm missing more, <laughs> but what has been like your favorite? Like you had the most fun. It was the most fulfilling.
1: I think it really comes down to the period in my life. Like when we started Illy, it was a hundred percent Illy. Like it was so fun doing that with Cody and like, we were both super passionate about it. And it was just like, I don't know, it was like our baby, like that's really what took everything off, you know? And then I just became so passionate about the blog and like, you know, creating the content. And I feel like it really allowed me to be creative and show my artistic side more. And I've just always been passionate about that. And and it allowed me too, to connect with so many people. I just felt like I have this huge like friend community that I get to talk to every day. And so I feel like right now that's, it's the blog for sure.
0: So you guys are clearly a very entrepreneurial Couple and always thinking ahead of what's next and what value you can provide. Is there a next project you're working on?
1: Oh, I mean, like right now, we just launched our new um, presets for like beaches. It's called the Oasis Pack. I just launched it like this week. Um, but upcoming, I mean, we just started also Andrew Home Instagram, which um, building <laughs> actually the house project became a huge passion this last year. Like um, it was so fun. I went from knowing nothing about like home design and decor to like 180 it's like consumed and been so exciting and fun to do so yeah we've been doing a lot of like home stuff too
0: so you actually started a whole new instagram for that yeah so you started from zero in year yep. 2018
1: yep 2019
0: ha- 2000- oh you just started this year oh I
1: started like maybe three weeks ago
0: the home handle yeah okay and so how, how have you grown it like what's been your strategy
1: people are just interested in it. Like we've had it for like three weeks and I think we're like at 30,000 followers or something like that.
0: Christine, it's incredible.
1: (laughs) I don't know. It's just like people have been really interested in our home process. So I just felt like it needed its own separate space. And we had so many things mess up with our house. Um, You know, it was our first time ever building a home. We went from like renting, 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 and then building a custom home. And there's so many details that go into it. And so I've made that account to really share like our mistakes and like what I learned from it too, because it wasn't this merry, happy process. Do you yeah. know what I mean? We had a lot of hiccups along the way.
0: I think what I find so compelling and what obviously now over a million people find very compelling about you is the way that you're approaching your content. And so what you you know mentioned about the house is I'm not just showing you the prettiest corners of my house in a very overly styled way. I'm telling you that you should know when someone lays, I'm just going to make this up, but like when they lay subway tile, make sure you're telling them that you want it exactly stacked or you want it off or like yeah. those mistakes that, that happened in your house. And so you're providing value to people online and giving them a reason to follow your home account versus all of the other home accounts. And that's something I see consistently across what you're doing. And um, I'm curious if you were coaching someone who wanted to start in this, in this business today, and they, they have they're starting with zero. What would you tell them to do?
1: Um Pick something you're passionate about. Um, I think bringing consistent content, but also doing you. And I know this is like very much said, but it's like, it's so easy to compare ourselves to so many people. And I mean, there's also so many people doing it, you know, it's like you have so many I don't know, like starter points, but I think it comes down to like, there's only one version of yourself. And so you have something unique to offer that nobody else does. And so sharing that story, you know, and I think the accounts that I get most excited to follow is people that have, you know, personal and vulnerable situations going on, because I think in general, that's kind of what Instagram people are craving right now is authenticity and, just like relatability maybe and just being able to connect with someone. And I think connecting is so different for so many people like on what that is. But I think it's also nice to know too when you're going through something that you're not alone and that somebody else has like been in that, you know?
0: Yeah, so building micro communities around points of views or, or worldviews. And then who is on this team? Like how is this running? Of course you're you know directing the creative vision, you're in the photos, you're styling everything. Like, who are all the other people that are making the, this world go round?
1: Um, actually, this has been a huge transition year for, for me. My, um, She started as my assistant and really became, like, a manager coordinator. Um, she was with me for five years, and she got married this year. And so um, that was, like, a huge transition, having her leave. And we're actually working on a project together, like, separate now. So I'm really excited about that. Um, that'll be coming soon. And, um, Can you talk about that at all? We're launching something together, so okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm excited to be able to work with her again. But That was really hard because she had my flow; she knew everything, you know. And then um, my best friend came on, and she's been super great. Um, but then she just had a baby, so <laughs> it's like You're losing my, these girls my left and right. Is like kind of all over the place right now. She's gonna come back. She's just on maternity
0: leave right now. So yeah,
1: I, I've had my sister in law's helping me right now.
0: So as far as like even like shooting, editing, writing content, posting, it's really you and then usually an assistant.
1: Yeah, usually I used to have two. I had like um, one who like manages my emails and stuff. And then obviously I have my like manager our agency who like negotiates all our contracts and stuff. And then um, I had an assistant who would do more like the
0: errands and like day to day. I mean, a lot of it we do right now. (laughs) And then shameless plug. How can we like what projects you have coming up? that You want to talk to us about, or where can we follow you, including where we can buy your clothes? What's your handle in the app? Right now it's
1: Hello Fashion Blog, but I'm actually about to change it to my name. Okay. At Christine Andrew, um, probably in the next week or so. So I don't know when this will okay. <laughs> launch.
0: Okay. Either one of those, you can find her.
1: Yeah. And then we just launched Andrew Home, so that's the home account, just at Andrew Home, and shop Hello Fashion. So. Thank you so much, three. Christine. Thank, Thank you for you so sharing. Much. So good oh, to talk to you. you. In.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for listening to Like to Know It Influencer Radio. Follow Christine for her mommy chic style and beautiful family in the Like to Know It app at Hello Fashion Blog. The Like to Know It app is the only place where you can go to search for products and get 100% shoppable results, all in the context of the lives of real, influential people who use those products. Search for products like trench coat, over-the-knee boots, stroller, white marble table, and get results from real people who use them. Like to Know It product search gives you an incredible, contextual experience that cannot be found anywhere else. Join our community by downloading the Like to Know It app on the App Store and Google Play.